Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped metal. Please visit our website, The Metal Pit, at www.themetalpit.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And on our YouTube channel at youtube.com at The Metal Pit 666. And if you have any questions or suggestions for this podcast, you can email us info at themetalpit.org. I am your host, Blake, and today... It's just a two-person podcast, me and one of my writers here at the Metal Pit. Jim, how you doing tonight, Jim? Oh, it's great. Great to be here. It's awesome. This is so much fun. And yeah, we're what a duo we are. This is awesome. <laughs> this... Two, two metal masters. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first two-person podcast I've did in a long time, because when we started doing the podcast, I only had two people. Then we switched to three, sometimes four. And we just had somebody cancel on us. So that's why we're down to two instead of three. And it was too late to find a replacement. And we're so we're going to back to 1984. And we're going to talk about Wasp. And it's their debut album. And uh, briefly, I don't know, Wasp has 15, I believe it is, studio albums. Yeah. Which surprised me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they... It, on Wikipedia, it even says they're recording another album. So I don't know if that's yeah. true or not, but I didn't, I think they did do some tours last year. I saw. So we're talking about the debut album, 1984. Like I said, they're an American heavy metal band formed in 1982. They come out of the Los Angeles, California metal scene back in the early 80s. They gained notoriety kind of for their shock rock themed images, their bad lyrics or their whatever. <laughs> And then raunchy <laughs> live performances. And this this album and the next one, The Last Command, which came out in 85, are the only two albums they had that were certified gold so far, anyway. And well, before I get to that, when did you first hear Wasp? Was it this album or later? Oh yeah. I mean, this came out in 80. This this came out in 84, so I was 13. And I mean, you know, you you hit it on the head, shock rock. So the album cover blew me away when I saw it. Um, I think I saw I Want to Be Somebody, the video, probably on the Power Hour, um, you know, and it just blew me away. These guys were awesome. These guys were just crazy. And, I, you know, and as the old album came out and their stage shows were released, I mean, they were a mainstay in Circus Magazine and Hit Parader. And, you know, I mean, the first possible single that was supposed to be on this album was animal fuck like a beast so you know that came became kind of a bit of a legend like oh yeah you know and you could get that as a single that was released uh, i had it on vinyl and uh but i mean the album was wicked and, and you know it's funny because this is the only album in, in wasp's catalog that has all the members at the time on the front of the album cover you know and it's got all four of them on there all the album covers from then on pretty much just focus around Blackie, you know, the lead singer. So, so it's, uh, you know, I mean, but no, this, this was a mainstay, I think in everybody in 1984, 
who was in I was in junior high then. I mean, everybody had this album. It was so popular. And like you say, it went I think it went gold in Canada and the US. And uh, but I mean, no, it blew me away. The songs on this is a really, really good album, really good debut album. Well, I um, for me, I also this would have been the first album that I got. And it's probably the same thing. I probably saw I Want to Be Somebody video. Oh, yeah. TV on the TV. Yes. Much music here in Canada or yeah. Um, but I, as I was listening to this today, there's been a while probably since I've listened to the whole album. I'm thinking I probably in 1984, I liked it a lot better than I do now. Like if oh, I was yeah. like giving it a review in 1984, it probably be a 10 back then, but I wouldn't <laughs> give it a 1980. I wouldn't give it a 10 now. <laughs> and uh their next album the last command I, I liked a little better that has blind in texas on it which is one of their most popular songs and uh and so that's probably my favorite wasp album and you know like i said they have 15 studio albums but i probably stopped listening to them after the third one <laughs> more or less because i have those three on vinyl i check because they have the outside the electric circus the third one and i think i remember yeah. having a CD for maybe the Headless Children one, I think it was. Yeah, but I think I really remember listening. to I it. have all their like I have, I've bought all their albums because I tend to buy all their all the albums. So, but it you're right. I mean, it went on like you had this, then you had the Last Command. You know, you had uh, Inside the Electric Circus, Headless Children, and then Blackie Lawless kind of did that concept album, uh, The Crimson Idol, which which was pretty critically acclaimed but then after that it, it definitely there's a whole myriad a whole section of albums that just kept coming out but i think the lineup changes and uh the changes of the times probably really slowed things down quite a bit i mean you know you're looking at this original lineup here with blackie lawless you know he's the bass vocalist chris holmes i mean the lead rhythm guitar randy piper lead rhythm guitar and what's really cool about that and the drummer, which was Tony Richards, which a cool story, well, not a cool story, but he ended up kind of having to leave the band due to the record company after this album because uh, he uh, they were worried about his uh, extracurricular chemical, um, <laughs> I think, dependency of some sort. So, you know, the, the rec, I think it was Capitol Records that, that signed them, and they were worried about, I think, where this was going after sort of the antics kind of started and i mean the band was kind of toted as this i mean you know when it comes down to it you've got the tmrc really went after wasp and i mean you know their stage show was so edgy you had women on racks torture racks you had them throwing raw meat into the audience and such you had you know blackie lawless had a cod piece that shot fireworks out of it he had the the saw blades all down his arms and down his legs which were really cool and you know, they were like the party band. I mean, every picture in every magazine, they were there, you know, with Jack Daniels and just, it, it looked really cool. And I aspired to be like, so uh, back then. And I mean, I think any 13 year old kid, that was awesome. And, you know, and then to coupled with the, you know, the pool scene in, you know, the rise, the, de the decline of Western civilization part two, the Penelope Spheris film with, you know, Chris Holmes scene in the pool, where he's drinking straight vodka and his mom's there and it's it's just it's so cool but anyways uh no you know and what i really like about this album what i really like about the, this album is you know you had piper and holmes kind of sharing like lead rhythm like lead guitar uh 
duties. And, you know, in a lot of the songs, they kind of trade off. So it's really, really cool. And it's a cool effect. I, I love that. And, uh, you know, and, and these guys were tall guys. Blackie's tall. Chris Holmes is tall. I mean, very, you know, with the heels on and stuff. I mean, these guys were well over seven foot tall and just looked all awe-inspiring on the stage. And I, I remember buying on VHS and I got it again on DVD, which was Wasp live at the Lyceum Theater, I think in England. And it was the, this tour. And it's so cool because they come out to I Want to Be Somebody or the Hellion, I can't remember, but he's got uh, the two guitarists chained up. And then he kind of breaks them off the chains and kind of releases them onto the audience. So it's really, really cool. I mean, their stage show, you know, they took it one step further than what was going on at the time, maybe even five steps further and uh, got them in a lot of uh, a lot of notoriety, I guess you could say. But the interesting thing in, with PMRC is they were on the Filthy 15, but they were number nine. And I'm like, so I had to Google and check out to see who number one was. And it was Prince's darling Nick. Like I, you got to be kidding me here. So you got you got this because they did it for Animal, Fuck Like a Beast, mm-hmm. and then you have Darling Nikki is considered a more edgier song. I I just I think they got totally ripped off on that. They should have been number one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't. Yeah. yeah, I know. As you mentioned that song, now that song was supposed to be on the album. Animal was originally the first track on the album, yes. and I think was going to be the first single. Yeah, but they thought they better take it off or some stores wouldn't sell the album they thought so that's why they took it off and made it a single yeah yeah i i have you said you have it on vinyl i have it on vinyl but i have it on picture disc vinyl too oh wicked yeah it cost me six dollars because i still have the price tag on the sleeve there oh nice I don't know if it's worth anything. It's probably worth more than six dollars, but I don't know if it's oh, worth yeah. too much. I'm not sure how many copies they made on picture disc. But yeah, I still have that. But and another neat note too is this album. There was all kinds. Everybody, well, you know the 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 origin of the name was nobody really like. I mean, Blackie Lawless has publicly said, you know, whatever you think it is, he doesn't care. But you know, on the first album, on this album, they had. I guess it was originally going to be called like winged assassin. And then they also had a cassette release for the first release. I think it was the European vinyl release. They were called, it was called winged assassin. And then I want to be somebody on the cassette release. And then they finally just brought it out as wasp the debut, but they have, I guess, written on the, on, on a part on some of the albums that, you know, we are sexual so, or, you know, there's all kinds of what the WASP stands for. But apparently, according to Blackie, he liked putting the abbreviation, like the dots in, just because nobody had done that before and it looked really cool. And that's what, what they stand behind. And he said, if you've got a meaning out of it, well, that's up to you. He doesn't care. But I thought that was pretty neat. And uh, Winged Assassins would have been cool. But uh, anyways, it, uh, you know, a great record for sure. But so much, so much kind of, again, they, you know, the record company and i would assume they were probably a little nervous i mean you start off with your first single they think it's going to be like they want to do this and you know the record company was like ah yeah no we're not going to do this and then uh you know with the outrageous stage show and then all the trouble with pmrc and just it kind of snowballed into this thing where 
the record sold definitely on notoriety and everybody was like, Oh yeah, this, these guys are the baddest, the baddest, toughest band in the land. And, you know, they, you know, in 1984 glam and hair metal was just probably starting to take a little bit of maybe more to the 85, 86, but these guys definitely were going into a more shock, more sleaze rock and more really more of a heavy metal. Uh, I think that's what I, I really liked about them. Uh, they, they didn't, kind of, for me, they weren't lumped into that whole 1980s stuff at all. They were much harder. Yeah, it does. Like there was a debate or I seen somewhere where, you know, some people call them glam metal. Like I could, yeah. some of the lyrics on this album, I could see were kind of, you know, uh, tacky or whatever. Oh, yeah. and could have been glam metal but the music is a little heavier than your yeah glam metal bands were but yeah so i was going to ask you what you call it now you're a kiss fan and now as i look at do you think they're they're probably influenced by kiss don't you agree i would say yeah uh, definitely the stage show to a much more more extreme uh version but i i would say kind of like that but then probably like early 1970s more raw kiss i mean kiss in the 80s kind of just turned into once they took the makeup off there their albums were pretty soft and just kind of mainstream yeah. kind of hair glam so but yeah i could see that for sure i'm sure alice cooper probably had a big influence on them as well too i mean you know and, and a note there, there's a rift, obviously, between Blackie Lawless and Chris Holmes. You know, uh, Chris, has, you know, from what I understand is, um, you know, his royalties have not been paid, um, according to Chris and the Chris, the Chris Holmes camp, and that uh, Blackie doesn't credit him for much of anything to do with those early Wasp albums and that. And it's kind of sad because Chris Holmes was definitely a humongous part of this band. And I mean, what a what a uh, talented guitar player and uh you know he's he as far as i'm concerned i mean you watch the i want to be somebody video and chris has got those shin pads on he's wearing almost kind of football gear and he's just jumping around and he gets that the crowd going and i think uh you know i think blackie i think it's it's 50 50 with you know you got blackie as the voice but uh you know chris definitely brought that kick-ass attitude uh, to this as well and and uh, definitely deserves his sort of I guess day in court to some degree and uh, but anyways you know that's that's the business end of it that creeps in and, and kind of destroys something that's that's pretty cool you know so yeah and um let's see uh yeah I just I just as I've listened to this today and looked at some of the lyrics maybe more closely than I ever did before probably <laughs> I just saw some similarities of Kiss. Their name is four letters, like Kiss. <laughs> and yeah, Blackie even kind of looks like Gene Simmons sometimes in some of his poses, <laughs> like for photo shoots, not necessarily on stage. I'm not sure about that since I don't think I ever seen them live that I can remember anyway. Um, but and it was one of the songs that we'll get to that I thought this this could be a Kiss song with some of these lyrics the way it is. So we'll get to that. Um, I guess we can start now. As I said, we won't. I guess we won't talk about. We already mentioned Animal, the one that was supposed to be on it, and then on the re-release, it is on it. Yeah, so we'll go by the original version, I guess. Here with, and it starts with "I Want to Be Somebody," which of course is a big heavy metal rock anthem, which were big back in those days with your twisted sisters and stuff like that that had their rock anthems for the 
live shows what do you think of i want to be somebody the first thing oh yeah i mean this is like this is the way to this is the way to start off the album i mean yeah animal would have been good as the 13 year old with the swearing and stuff it would have been like oh yeah but i gotta be honest with you i i mean this just kicks kicks it off in the right direction it's a killer song and like i say during the live the video is wicked and i mean the videos just shows the energy i watched the videos today because i was like I wanted to re-see it, and I, I think I even posted it on my Facebook. But, uh, I mean, it's just, this is the anthem of the album, but there's so many. This whole album is really, really tight. I mean, musically, in that video, you can see Piper, and you can see uh, see Chris Holmes play off each other. They they take a, a full-on guitar solo and split it pretty evenly, and I think that's pretty cool. And, and it really makes that attack sounds like uh you know except does it well the band except and and i mean that with the dual guitars that's what you got to go with and i i absolutely love it and the energy of the video and the song is just so cool and i mean it's just pretty much throwing it out there here you got the debut album first track is i want to be somebody and uh you know that's what it's all about and and uh you know he's pretty much just they're just throwing down the gauntlet saying this is what i want to do and you know blackie lawless was also um you know, when he was growing up, he was also a, he could have been probably a professional baseball player. He was apparently a really, really good baseball player. And I know, uh, I believe it's his uncle uh, played in the uh, uh, the, ML, the MLB. So, uh, you know, he comes from a bit of a line of, uh, he was a, definitely a sports person. So, um, I, you know, but this is a really, really cool song. And I mean, I can imagine why. The record company wanted this probably as the lead-off single for the album, more so than obviously Animal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, and I did check out that set list website for playing songs live, but I'm not going to do a lot about that. Just these first two songs on the album are their two most played live songs. Yeah, want to be somebody? It says they played it 759 times, and the next one, Love Machine, is a little more, even at 773, which is kind of odd that you would think they would play "I Want to Be Somebody" at every show. So yeah, I don't know why they missed 15 shows for some reason of not playing the song? I'm sure they got sick of playing it, but still. But anyway, yeah, you, you'd, mentioned, like a, you'd mentioned the tour too last year, and and unfortunately, at the European leg, I think Blackie had to. I had to he finished it and then he had to push back his second half of the North American dates I know they're still planning to do it uh due to his back issue that he's had but he's had apparently surgery and it's he's on the road to repair and and uh I know he's uh they're looking at going back out on the road and yeah I believe they have an album fairly close to being done I think it's it's uh, he's got a new album coming out so yeah just to bring that live portion up I guess they put on even you know, and and even the tour that they had last last year, over the last year and a half, um, you know, they had a ton of sold out shows. So it just goes to show how much people want to still see Wasp. And I mean, that's apparently they put on. I've seen a lot of clips from uh, the shows, and they sound really, really good. I, I think they're really, really cool. I definitely go see them. Um, yeah, it says. Like I was looking, I was trying to think, have I seen them live before or not? <laughs> and I <laughs> don't think I'd have. Now, I mean, they would have been an opening band if I would have seen them. But I know right. they, they opened for Iron Maiden on their some, oh, somewhere in time tour, I think, but in Europe, so not in North yeah. America. 
right they did they played with other they played with kiss i've mentioned and iron maiden docking crocus helix metallica armored saint metallica it says and then yeah the relatively unknown metallica (laughs) yeah yeah at the time yeah (laughs) but uh yeah so anyway so yeah so that was a big rock anthem of course and that was big and that's i would think that's probably their most recognizable song i mean I mentioned Blind in Texas before, which is probably my favorite Wasp song, but I would think I Want to Be Somebody is their probably most recognizable song, I would think. Then we go to Love Machine, and they spelled love just like they spelled Wasp with the periods in between. And this is a song that I thought kind of reminds me of, it could be Kiss a little bit. If they would tone it down a little, <laughs> it would be like Kiss, because I don't, I don't think there's too many heavy metal songs I like with the word love in it. so in this so it's a very catchy song or the catchy chorus but it's not one of my favorite ones but how do you like love machine this is a classic and what i love about this album is like i so i uh 1980 this was 1984 so i was 13 so when i started dating my 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 eventual wife back in i think it would have been 85 we both love this album. I mean, we had a sort of an on again, off again relationship all through high school and stuff. But, uh, you know, this is one of the albums or one of the bands that we both kind of really like together. And, you know, I like a lot of different stuff and she tends to gravitate these days, you know, uh, towards that country, that country music a little bit more. And I can't stand country music. So, um, but anyways, this is one of the bands and one of the albums that we both equally love. I love this song. She loves the song. Uh, it's wicked. And the funny thing, this video, I believe was banned or had some, it was banned in many countries because in the, um, in the video, they've got kind of a dunk tank and there's a girl swimming in it and, uh, Blackie keeps pushing her head, head under. So, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, a good wholesome, wholesome vibe, but it's a wicked song. I like it. Uh, you know, there is a ballad on this album. This isn't it, but uh, yeah, definitely. If you toned it down a little bit, it could have probably been a Kiss song. Uh, but it is a kick-ass song, and I mean that whole the whole chorus of L O V E, and it just kind of this this is a wicked tune and one of my favorites on the album. But not my favorite song on the album, but but another like. I mean, you rip from I Want to Be Somebody right into Love Machine and then the next song and it just keeps going like that. I mean, you know, they're, on the original album, there's 10 songs, which is perfect for uh, for a vinyl and it's a perfect for it. Like there's I don't really think there's any bloat on this album whatsoever. So, but yeah, it's a classic and a great song, a great song. Then we go to the song The Flame. I'll let you start. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is one of my top two songs on there. I mean, this just it's another great anthemic song. I mean, you know, you're already three songs in and this is like another ripping, just fast and heavy song. And I think this was one of the two songs on this album that were co-written by Blackie and uh, Chris Holmes. So I know looking it up on uh, online. I see that he has been given some writing credits on this album, just a couple of songs, but still, uh, no, this is a wicked song. And another one that I can imagine they do live a lot. I know, I think on the last tour, I think they might've, they might've did a, um, like they grouped a bunch of songs together and did like a, a longer kind of set for this era, I believe. 
I'm not 100% sure if they did them individually or if there was, uh, you know, just uh, kind of a grouping together just for time's sake because they, yes, they have so many songs. But this, uh, this is another killer song, one of my favorites. And uh, it's just, it's so heavy and so cool. I love it. Absolutely love it. I don't think there's, now again, I haven't listened to any, like I said, albums past like the third or fourth one. So I don't really know about their song lyrics now, but back then they weren't too, I think, concerned about their song lyrics because most of the choruses are just repeating the name of the song over and over. Yeah. <laughs> or this one is before the flame burns out. So we just, yeah. that's the chorus and that's yeah. all it is to the chorus. Bye. But this song is, this is one of the, like the sixth or seventh most played live from this album. So they don't play it as much, I guess, as some of the other ones on here. Yeah, yeah they should. Yeah. They get a lot of repetitive choruses. I notice as I was listening, looking, listening to this today and reading the lyrics, something that I wouldn't have noticed back in 1984 when I was 16, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not 13 or whatever. Or maybe I was eight. I forget. Wait, I was 18. Even, but. But uh, yeah, I don't think I paid too much attention to the lyrics back then. Then we oh, get to beer. this song. If we hung out together back then, Blake, you could have bought me beer. That would have been great. <laughs> I guess, yes. <laughs> <laughs> then we get to track four, which is called Bad. And again, they like to put the periods between letters for song <laughs> titles for some reason. But yes, we got Bad, B-A-D, Bad. And yeah, I'll let you go again. Yeah, it, you know, this is again. It's a, this probably if I had to, you know, I've got to put them in order of my favorites. This would probably be towards the back end of the album. I mean, yeah, the whole spelling part of it's kind of it's a quite good song, but it's not my favorite favorite song on the album. This and maybe even the next song, and the next song is an actual uh, is an actual single. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of. It's kind of one that you finished off the flame, you're heading into B, A, D, bad. You know, they spell it out. It gets, uh, like you say, it's a lot of the songs on here. Definitely the chorus part of it is heavily repetitive. And this is no different at all. So, but probably one towards one of the more weaker songs on the album. Still a great song, but, and, and fits in good. I mean, you're not going to have 10, you know, 10 superb massive hits here. So, but it does. Uh, I know when I was a kid, I absolutely loved this too. So, probably now it probably doesn't hold up as as strong as some of the other songs do. <laughs> well, one of the lyrics is "bad." Make your mom and daddy sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's about a girl being bad and <laughs> yeah things that I guess she's not supposed to do. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's probably this is probably my least favorite song on this album, especially now. Like again, if I go back, if I put my, I can't really put my mind back into 1984 with this album because there's so many good albums from 1984. Because we're gonna do our top ten albums of 1984 at the end of this, and but there's so many, so I can't really recall. But I don't know if I would have loved this song back then. I think I loved every song back then. It's just different now when you listen to it 40 years later whatever it is yeah it is 40 years later isn't it? <laughs> so then we go to school days which you mentioned and this starts off with kids reciting the pledge of allegiance now i don't know if these kids knew that there was supposed to be a song called fuck like a beast on this album or not when they did this but anyway <laughs> so uh what do you think of school days yeah 
not one of my favorites. I was a single, and I think this was more along the lines of I get what they were trying to do. They're kind of I kind of throw it along kind of a bit of an Alice Cooper kind of vibe, not the actual music, but the fact that he's kind of ripping into school and you know again school kind of like uh, you know schools out uh, I guess to some yes. degree, but definitely a, a little bit of a different direction yeah well, i remember when i first got the album and also the kids started yeah, reciting uh, a pledge allegiance you know first of all uh we're canadian so we're sitting there kind of like what the hell is this <laughs> and uh but anyways I'm kind of wondering where they were going but i remember being at a school dance and this big heavy metal guy had a freaking ghetto blaster there and we were waiting to get in and he was blasting this song and i remember going hey guys that's wasp that's wasp and the album had just um i don't know it would have been probably i think this came out in august of so it would have been that september was the first school dance of the year and i remember he was blasting it and i was like oh man that's wicked and uh it was just that popular so but yeah i think this was just a stab at sort of maybe a little bit more of a i mean a lot of the albums definitely tongue-in-cheek and this is no different <laughs> Well, I, I, I just wonder if the kids that do that thing at the start of the song, if they got a copy of the album to take home to show their parents and say, hey, I'm on this album, dad, mom, dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know how that works back then, for, or if they even they just give them 20 bucks and say, yeah, you're doing this. There you go. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, that's an okay song. Uh, they got, let's see, I wrote down one lyric, a homework hell house screams at me. Um, lyrics don't make too much sense back then but that's okay no. it's the first album they're young <laughs> yeah okay then we switch to side two back in the old days and we go to hellion and that's uh yeah i'll let you go first hellion oh yeah this one here i mean <clears throat> hellion's wicked i mean uh you know it starts off with hellhound hot leather on your legs that smoking powder powder keg you're riding on is hellbound. So it's pretty cool. I mean, the lyrics are pretty neat. You're going down in flames. You're riding Hades rail, Hellion. And uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, this is a good song. Probably one of the stronger songs on the album. One of my favorite songs. I like this. And there's another one. Well, there's a few more coming up. I mean, I find the, it start, the album starts off really good. And then from, I find the second side starting with this song. Definitely, uh, you know, it's got some great, uh, tracks as the album goes on but no I, I really like this song as well really heavy it's got that first hellion when he sings it. it's got kind of a distort distorted vocal sound to it which is pretty cool and then it only does it one time when it goes hellion and sounds like the devil and then it goes back to just kind of hellion for the rest of the choruses as the song progresses so but no it's a kick-ass song for sure yeah this is pr probably with i want to be somebody this is probably my favorite or one of one of my two favorites on the album oh, yeah and i do like the way he says hell the end or whatever yeah in the chorus and blackie's vocals stand out on this song it's more raw but he doesn't really have the voice for you know the radio songs or anything so i'm sure they didn't get much airplay anyway so i don't know why yeah put the animal song on it too <laughs> it wasn't gonna get on the radio uh but yeah that's one of the better songs to me too and then we go to yeah. i guess the ballad you were probably mentioning sleeping in the fire what do, do you like this ballad oh yeah like i i know i know i'm not generally a ballad guy like I, you know back in the i mean back then and then even as 
as the <clears throat> sort of whole glam and hair metal thing started to come in, it eventually became like a sort of a staple to put a ballad. Your first single would be a rocker and then your second single would be a ballad. And then, then bands started putting two and three ballads on there because they're probably, you know, they were going after the female end of it. Things were, oh yeah, it's a great, great slow song. And, and so anyways, but this, this, this is a good ballad. It's really cool. I mean, like if, you know, you think of a band like Metallica from, uh, you know, Ride with Fade to Black kind of could be con considered maybe a darker ballad, but this would be up there like that before me. I mean, not as in song quality as the Metallica song, but just in the fact that it starts off really acoustic and I like it. It's got pretty good vocals on it and it's got a really good chorus. And, you know, uh, <clears throat> when it goes through uh, the Lucifer's magic that makes you numb, you know, and he's, you feel what it does, you're drunk on love, you're sleeping in the fly fire. So it's got some really cool lyrics to it. And I, I like it. It's a great song. It's, like I say, I'm not a big ballad guy, you know, like, uh, you know, if I, I mean, I never, I guess, listened to Warrant or anything like that, where they have the two or three ballads on their albums. But this is a real kick-ass song. It's just a slower song. And, but like the acoustic sound on it's wicked. And then it kind of rips off during the, like, just goes through on rips with the chorus. And uh, Blackie's voice is really, really cool on it. I like it. It's a cool song. It's kind of it's more of I guess a power ballad I would say yeah. than just your warrant type ballad or whatever. <laughs> but it's probably still not one of my favorites. As yeah, as people might remember, I'm not a ballad guy either. <laughs> Very often. And then we go to track number <laughs> eight is on your knees, and this is another one I wrote down where kind of I think of a kiss could have did this song too the lyric i'm kind of more about the lyrics of the song and like you know sexual overtones and stuff like that so that's why i kind of get thinking oh they're probably inspired by kiss to write this song so what do you think of on your knees yeah i love it this is a great song a great topic um you know but i like uh oh, where is it here i got it. i i love the it's, it's it's just really cool i love the fact it's right on uh like it's I mean, it's funny that PMRC didn't really go out. I mean, they probably went after a lot of it. So, I mean, this would have been probably one of them too. I mean, it's not as, as right in your face as Animal, but I love the uh, the lyric, mom and daddy said, the life that you led, you'll party your way straight to hell. So it's kind of neat. It's essentially saying like, you know, the sin that you buy and you sell. So I would assume that he's, you know, you've got the sexual overtone to it, but you also have, you're on your knees. I, I think probably, you know, I want to be somebody you're on your knees. You're sort of paying, uh, paying for the price of fame to some degree. So uh, that's what I get out of it, but it's a wicked song. And, and I've seen this live on live videos on YouTube and that, and I mean, they just they do a wicked, it's wicked live. It, it sounds wicked live. And uh, you know, it just gets the crowd going. Uh, it's a, Friggin' amazing song. Not my favorite song on the album, but you know, again, you've got mom and daddy in there again. They mentioned that in a couple <laughs> songs. So it's uh you know, it was really a good slap against school, against parents. I guess they were going for that. Uh, and then you throw animal in there. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. Then we go to Tormentor. And another this is another one where the chorus that is the chorus, is they say tormentor over and over again 
but it's it's a good song except that now that you know i'm older i'm going couldn't have thought of a few more words i put in here but anyway what do you think of tormentor tormentor so when knowing that we were doing this today you know this today i i asked my wife i said what's your favorite song off and i mean she went through all the songs and this is her favorite song so she loves this song i think it's cool uh, this is the other one that I believe was co-written by Lawless and, and Chris Holmes. So that's kind of neat. Uh, but it was actually an interesting factoid. This was the song on the Dungeon Master movie soundtrack. And Blackie Lawless was in that movie. I don't. I never saw the movie. Did you see it? Uh, no, I just read that earlier, too. I yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, you know, and it's funny, too, because Blackie Lawless, you know, he was slated... To, to sidetrack a little bit here he was slated to be the t-1000 in the terminator movie terminator 2 when oh, they had nice. uh you know they sent back these kind of skinny turn terminator to go after arnold there uh he was supposed to be that in the movie but he was way taller than arnold so they they decided they didn't want to put him on there and the other factoid is trick or treat you know the movie trick or treat which we love uh mm -hmm. you know the blackie lawless was up for the part of the uh the lead singer of the band but they wanted him to play fast way music and he wouldn't do it. <laughs> Obviously, he's Blackie Lawless. I mean, he should have done what? You know, they should have done, made him sing the song or, you know, but I, I, I believe Fastway had those songs already done. So they were like, you know, could we, could we get him? They were trying to work out that he could sing the Fastway songs and he obviously refused to do that, which, you know, obviously. So, so he has a little bit of the, uh, I guess, the acting bug in there. So that's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, it's a cool song. Like you say, this is, um, you know, it's it's massively repetitive. It's a cool song, and it uh, it kind of leads into the next song too, kind of along the same uh, the same line for you know for sure. It kind of kind of breaks into that. We're we're heading into maybe some S and M and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, the last two are both kind of heavier ones, and the last one, the torture never stops, is maybe the heaviest one on the album, and it has some kind of like maidenish kind of galloping even in it too. So, what do you think yeah. of the torture never stops? Uh, one of my favorites ends the album off awesome, and you know it's a it's a great song, and uh, I I love the fact that these albums were um, these songs on this album were just very. I guess for the time too, we have to remember like they were looking for quite a bit of shock value. I think when uh, the record company and the band were probably sitting down, I mean, obviously that's with animal, that's what everybody, that's what got everybody talking about it. And, you know, and, and, and they got on the um, sort of the radar of the PMRC. And I thought, you know, any, anything that would have a PMRC, I was hoping they would put the PMRC label on albums because anything that had that on there, I would definitely buy it today. <laughs> oh yeah, it's got that on there. Oh yeah, I'm going to buy that, you know, because that, that would have meant that the album's awesome, really good. But, uh, you know, I think it's cool. It's a cool song. It just keeps going. They've got everything, you know, if you're looking at this as a parent in the day, probably, and, you know, there's been a lot, hell of a lot more shocking stuff since 1984. And they brought this out. I mean, you're looking at the names of the sleeping in the fire on your knees, Tormentor, the torture never stops, you know, Hellion, love machine. I want to be somebody you're thinking to yourself, man, this is going to be one hell of a, a freaky album. And, uh, and it definitely was. So, but no, it's a, it's a killer song, a great way to end off the album. Yes, it's, yes, it's a good 
track to end it off with. Uh, so that's the album. Um, I was going to say something about, I don't know what I was going to say there. But yeah, I think it would have, I would have liked to, if they would have included Animal Song, which yeah. we, I guess we can, we've already kind of talked about it a few times, but I, well, I'll just mention that I do like the start of the album where he says, I got, or start of the song, I mean, where he says, I got pictures of naked ladies laying on my bed and all that. But yes, that was good for you, to, like for you when you were only 13 and me, whatever, oh, yeah. 18, but I grew up on the farming country stuff so i wasn't around <laughs> and of course we didn't have the internet back then or nothing we had three tv channels so all that stuff was shocking <laughs> and like fun for kids or teenagers <laughs> and oh thinking, yeah oh, this is cool i can't play it for my mom and dad but it's still cool <laughs> oh yeah and that that i think does the picture desk have like blackie's cod piece with the blade coming yeah through? yeah, it yeah. Has that on the one side yeah with the blood thing I think oh, I had two. Fun. I think I also had the vinyl. Like you probably have the picture sleeve. There's the, yeah, the cover thing. I think I gave that to somebody. I'm not even sure who, yeah. since I had the picture disc too. So I gave somebody else the other one. And I, I don't know why. That, both. That's wicked. Those are good collector items. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that single. And I think the single wasn't originally released by Capital. I think they kind of did it sort of underground because they didn't really want to, I mean, you know, you can see a record company like Capitol Records didn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole back then. You know, they're, you know, this would, would have been probably even before the days of Walmart. You know, you'd have Zellers or Kmart at the time, probably not wanting to carry something like that. And uh, especially with the shroud of, of everything else that was going on at the time around this album. But, you know, and yes, the, the remastered one, the re-release, I think in 98, uh, they added the animal to it, and I think they added another song, "Show No Mercy" or "Show No Mercy." And I think they did a cover of "Painted Black." So I have yes. that one too. Um, but yeah, it would have been cool to be on here. And I mean, it probably I think it went like we were talking, and I think it went gold in both the U.S. and Canada. And I think if you had that song on there, it probably would have reached pretty close to platinum status just on that alone. <laughs> I mean, you know. Everybody wants want, wanted to get that. And I remember it was sort of a, a legend because I didn't have, I got the album probably a year after the, you know, they had them for sale at a record store downtown Halifax it was definitely an import, uh, the actual single. And I remember getting it and me and my buddies were just, I remember us taping it. And I don't even think, like I was playing it on a turntable and I just put a radio, like a tape recorder up to the speaker and taped it that way. And then gave it out to all my buddies at school. It was, it was so cause popular for, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. I view the single I got also does say import on it. So I guess I bought it the single on import too. Yeah. But yeah, it was only six. <laughs> That's crazy. Eh? Six bucks. <laughs> now you go to a record store. I bet you that is re-released on a picture disc probably at least 60 bucks now or yeah, or so probably. they're probably you know with the picture <laughs> disc for sure yeah six bucks geez <laughs> oh well anyway okay so let's rate the album now yeah let's i'll let you go first what do you give this out of 10 maybe tell okay. me if it was in be any different what would you have gave it in 84 and what would you give it now if it would oh be in 84 i would have given this a 10 out of 10 it's, i mean it's a back then this would have been my whole i mean you know, we're picking our top albums of 1984, and I mean, 
every year in the 80s i find like just so much talented stuff and groundbreaking stuff coming out and this is no different and uh i would have given this a 10 out of 10 now for me now i mean i think it's got some of the songs on it nostalgic wise so back in then 13 year old jimmy would have given it a 10 nostalgic wise a 10 i would probably give it an eight and a half a nine right now out of if I was to look at this today, I mean, I'd, I'd love for somebody to release an album like this today and take me back. But that, again, would be only built on nostalgia. It wouldn't be built on, you know, a, what I want nowadays is some stronger lyrical content and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, maybe not as much repetitiveness of the choruses to some degree. And But I do like a lot of the subject matter. I think it's being a childish metalhead, I think uh, it just scratches that itch. <laughs> You know, probably if it was 84, I probably would have gave it a 10 out of 10, too, because I know I listened to this album a lot. And then, like I said, the next album, The Last Command, I listened, I think I like that one even better. Yeah. So I, I like those two albums a lot. I can't really say why I stopped listening to them, if it was just because there was maybe more thrash came out and I like thrash better. And so maybe that's why I got pushed aside to like where I didn't listen to it. Well, of course, this probably is one of the reasons they got. Uh, glam metal suggestion just because the choruses were just you know repetitive like a lot of bands were back then but the rated now i'd probably give it a seven out of ten now i guess if i was like to sit down and really rate it on its own now and I, i like the last command as well i think that was a like you had this as their debut and then they got a little bit like blind in texas and the song wild child uh, you know, I think Cries in the Night are on that. That's a wicked, those are some wicked songs. And then by the third album, I think they had, they were chemically and, and alcoholically, I think <laughs> they're, they was taking their toll. I know they were on, like, they were just sending them out on these massive tours. And I know for ins- the, the electric, you know, inside the electric circus, I know they, they, it was kind of a lot more like they had, I don't need no doctor cover on there. And, 95 nasty is a good song but i think it it kind of lost uh it started to get more of a kind of a little bit of a sideshow and they even did it up like as a circus and then i then they came out with i think the same year as that is live in the raw which was a pretty big live album for them if you remember and yeah that was good but they were just throwing so much stuff out there and i think by the time the headless children came out uh, some more of the members had changed and they had a couple of hits off that and then they were kind of leaving the eighties. And I think, you know, and they've had a lot, they've put out a lot of stuff and I kind of consider it to some degree, the newer stuff's probably more, it's Wasp, but it's more along the lines of maybe a Blackie Lawless solo album. Cause yeah. he's kind of the, even though they've had Frankie Benali in the band, they've had Johnny Rod, they've had a lot of, a lot of guys in the band, you know, Steve Riley did the, was the drummer that took over from, uh, Richards here who, who just passed away uh Steve Riley did uh, there a few months ago uh you know I think they just lost sort of their focus and there was a lot of infighting and then you probably the same thing as yeah by the headless children I was kind of like I bought it and I remember going yeah it's not, not not as great as I as the previous albums and and then uh when he brought out the Crimson Idol it was really good and there's a song on there hold on to your heart that uh, I think got a lot of radio play. It was like a another power ballad, but at that point it was more of a rock opera that he was doing a concept album of 
of a guy who's becoming famous and then all the uh, sort of the all the ups and downs of fame. So it was kind of neat. But but then after that, but I, I went through my CD collection for Wasp, but I was like, when did I get these? And they were all like <laughs> KFD and this one that he's on a horse, a bunch of horses. And I'm like, I don't even remember buying these. <laughs> That's I don't even know if probably have I even played them. I, I don't know. So, but I kind of like you where I don't know why I kind of moved off it, but it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like we said, I guess neither you didn't see them live. You said like, no person. And I, as far as I can remember, I didn't either. I mean, I could have, they could have opened for somebody once, but it might have been at a time where it wasn't into them as much. I can't remember. But anyway. So that's the Wasp album, and like, yeah, I think if we would have did the the last command, I probably would have gave it more than a seven. Now, as you know, it has right. pressure on it, and like you said, Wild Child and Blind in Texas, it was a little more heavier and maybe yeah. a little better songwriting, even though it was only a year later in nineteen eighty five. But anyway, okay, so now we're gonna do our top ten of nineteen eighty four albums, and there's a lot of there was a lot of albums to pick from here. For me, anyway, yeah. and I might have yeah. did this before on a previous podcast, so you might have heard me already do this. So I'm not positive if I'll put them in the same order that I did on that episode. <laughs> we'll see. My number one's still the same, but I'm just not sure if the rest is still the same. So I guess I'll go first in case sure. I have done it before, so people won't shut off after you do yours. So I'll do my first. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I have some honorable mentions because uh, it was it was tough getting at the bottom thinking, what do I want to put eight, nine and ten? Because being yeah. in Canada, I have like five. If I count my top ten plus my honorable mentions, I got like four or five Canadian bands here. Wow. And it was like. Uh, but here, I'll just I'll do my top ten first instead, and then maybe I'll do my honorable mentions after yours in case you don't mention so my number cool. 10 is Trouble with their debut album, Psalm 9, as I'm a big Trouble fan, and that was their first album. And uh, my number nine is White Snake, Slide It In, as I just love that album. It's maybe oh, not, yeah. some people might not say they're metal, I guess, but you know, it was back then, really. David Coverdale and John Sykes on the guitar. I love that album. Number eight, I have one of my Canadian ones, Kick Axe with Vices, oh, yeah. which I'm sure a lot of people don't even know who Kick Axe is, but us Canadians probably do. <laughs> but <laughs> I listened to that album to death back then. And then I had Judas Priest as my number seven with Defenders of the Faith. And oh, my nice. number six is another Canadian band with Helix and Walk on the Razor's Edge, which had the song Rock You on it, which of course was huge, especially in Canada. And I yeah. think it was good, pretty good in the States too. <clears throat> my number, oh wait, where am I? One, two, three. Now my number five is Metal Church and their debut album, metal self-titled Metal Church album. Because I love the first two Metal Church albums for sure. Number four, I got Merciful Fate with Don't Break the Oath. <laughs> which we did a podcast on before number three is Ronnie James Dio with the last in line which we also have done a podcast on before so you can listen that might be where I did this list before if you want to go back and listen to that episode and number two I got Iron Maiden with Power Slave <clears throat> and my number one which people should know since it was my number one of our top 50 albums of all time is Metallica and Ride the Lightning is my number one ah there you go 
So let's hear your top 10 and then I'll maybe name off my honorable <clears throat> after that. Yeah, I got some of yours are my honorable mentions. It was just so hard because it was such a strong year for, for metal. I mean, wow, you know. So number 10, and I mean, I feel bad because like I, I probably should have put this up higher, but Dio, The Last in Line, Wicked album. I mean, I love that album. I rated, and I shouldn't have done this, but I rated number nine, Stay Hungry, Twisted Sister, higher than Dio. I think I need to slap myself there, but anyways. Uh, well, I that's love, one of my that's one of my honorable mentions was Twisted ah, Sisters album. It's a good one. I love it. I mean, I love I love Captain Howdy on that and uh, Burn in Hell. And yeah. you know what? I remember buying and a lot of this too is I sat down with a list and I just thought about it back in 1984. And uh, you know, now my number uh, eight is uh white snake slide it in i gotta agree with you it's an awesome album this is their last album that i thought was good by them i mean i they turned into yeah. sort of an mtv kind of hair metal band after this and yeah yes. and i know still of the night i get it still of the night and all those songs were good but no 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 the slide and they they even changed their logo after this album and i think that that hexed them and i, I like mm. slide it in the front of their their catalog i have a box set called little box of snakes and it's got all those albums those original albums in there and i absolutely love it uh, it's when they were really good number seven one of my favorite bands of all time canadian band war and pain by voivod their debut album i love voivod this album the original is so underproduced i love it it's scratchy it's gritty it's something you've never heard before when and then i remember getting the album it up as an import in Canada. Is that hilarious? And um, <laughs> it's a Canadian band, but it was an import, and uh, just blew me away. Number six, Iron Maiden, Power Slave. Uh, my first concert I ever saw with Twisted Sister for Stay Hungry. You mm -hmm. saw it as well. Yes, that's right. So I mean, that's that's got a soft spot there. I, I probably should have put it up higher, but I I love my number five. One of my favorite bands of all time, Deep Purple, Perfect Strangers. I love that album and I love the fact that I was only 13 or 14 when I picked that up and it's such a cool kind of a reunion. I love it and I, I listen to it all the time still today. Number four, one of my favorite bands, Saxon, uh, Crusader. I've got the Wasp debut as number three. Uh, number two is Don't Break the Oath, Merciful Fate, one of my favorite, favorite bands. I love King Diamond and uh, I mean, Merciful Fate. This album's an important album. And number one is the same as yours. Ride the Lightning Metallica. It has to be. I mean, I couldn't, you know, that's that's one of the best. My favorite albums, Kill Em All, but this is a close second. I'm talking milliseconds. Milla votes just behind it. Uh, but I love this album and it has to be number one. So, but what, yeah, you go with your honorable mentions and I'll go with mine. I got a whole bunch here. Okay, well, one of them, well, I've already, men you mentioned two of them, Twisted Sisters, Stay Hungry, and Deep Purple's Perfect Strangers. I have that nice. honorable mention. <clears throat> and uh, let's see, I have two Canadian bands in here, Exciter with Violence and Force, which oh, I think was their second God. album, I believe, yes. And Forgot about that one. And Pile Drivers, Metal Inquisition, wow. you know Pile Driver? <laughs> yes, yes, that's a, oh, that's a great album, a great band, yeah. Yes, and uh, uh, and then my other one was Anthrax, Fistful of Metal, their first album. 
we actually just put a, if you follow us on Instagram, Stacia did a reel there. Like this one, this episode is coming to Wednesday, but the anniversary was on the Sunday, the January 28th. That's the 40th year anniversary of the release of Fistful of Metal. So if you follow us on Instagram, you would have seen a reel on, a little short reel on that album anniversary. So what are your honorable mentions? Oh, well, we got a couple out of the same. So I picked Vice's Kickaxe. I mean, I wanted to fit it in there. That is a wicked album. And rumor has it they're coming out with a new album. So I hope to God, like that, that's one band that should have been bigger, should have been more active. Just that album was it was an amazing album. The other one that I have of one of yours, Metal Church, uh, you know, the self-titled Metal Church album. I have that. That's I love Metal Church. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's wicked. Um, I've got a Triumph album in there. So, yeah, there's a lot of Canadian. I mean, Thunder 7. I think this would have been the first tour I saw Triumph. And I saw them twice. And I can't remember the other tour. I, it would be after this, maybe a one or two albums after this. But love that album. I'm a huge Dawkins fan. So Tooth and Nail by Dawkins, which, uh, which, you know, was a great album. Armored Saint, March of the Saint. I love that. Love Armored Saint. Um, and one of the other ones that I really love is Ingve Malmsteen for Rising Force. Huge Ingve fan. I know everybody like every time I bring up Ingve, everybody's like, "Ah, the hell do you like that guy for?" Blah blah blah. But I, I love those early. Uh, I've got a lot of his catalog, and I love a lot of those early Ingve albums and really catchy kind of '80s sound to it. And you know, I loved Ingve when he was uh, originally in Alcatraz and. And when he was breaking out, he, I mean, he had some wicked, wicked, uh, he shreds. So some good stuff there. But yeah, lots of obviously lots of duplicates there and a lot of Canadian. I mean, you know, a lot of Canadian. I forgot about Helix walking the razor's edge. I've seen Helix like five times and they are an awesome band to see live. And that's a wicked, wicked album. Wicked album. Um, yeah, I'm just, oops, I was just trying to look up the Ingbe. Yeah, I liked Ingbe too because, uh, which one is this is the one with oh, okay yeah yeah i like the marching out album better than that one which would have been right. a year later or two years later or the next one yeah it is actually it is a year later 85 but yeah i like ingve back then anyway before he kind of got soft too and everybody wanted to be on mtv and get girls <laughs> yeah exactly and you but know yeah, another this... one could be 1984 by van halen i mean I wouldn't, it's definitely more of a hard Rocky album, but still, I mean, that album was huge and it was, it was really cool. I remember buying that album. I love the album art for it. So, I mean, yeah, there's so many, when you look through the list of 19, there's so many albums, like some yeah. of the ones you mentioned, like Armored Saint, which I had and Battle Axe is another group that I had that album and <laughs> Bon Jovi, which I know is not metal, but Bon Jovi had an album that year. Yeah. And, his first one. And like it's just so many was out there, and like Dawkins, yeah. I had that Tooth and Nail album also, and like oh, yeah. Quiet Riot out album. It wasn't their big, and then Rats out of the cellar, which was I like that album a lot too. But there's just so many that that year. Then that's why Wasp didn't even make my top ten list because there's just so many other ones that came out that year. Yeah, and you know what? And a good, too, like you mentioned, a, a, a good shout out to Stacia Bathory's Bathory album came out there, but I only didn't put it on my list because I only really got into Bathory after hearing the podcast on the Metal Kit, you know. And 
I went and bought these the first three Bathory albums. So, you know, in all fairness, I wasn't really into them back then. So, but there's another groundbreaking album. (laughs) And of course, this is Spinal Tap also came out in 1984. Oh, yeah. And that was a good album for a group that wasn't even real. So, yeah. (laughs) Sex Farm. (laughs) Song Sex Farm. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, I guess that's it. I guess, uh, yeah, that was a good episode and a good, and the I think the top 10 list is the most interesting, actually, just because <laughs> there was so much stuff out there that year. But, oh, yeah. Okay, well, thanks, Jim, for uh, joining me tonight, and it was a good two-person podcast. I know that's our second in a row, I guess, because you just did one with Ken. Yeah. On uh, Anthrax, yes, that's right, Persistence of Time. And I think our next podcast is going to be talking about the band As I Lay Dying. Ah. And I'll be with Ken and a special guest will be on that episode as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.